cliffcentral.com. That is it. It is time for us to get into the burning platform this morning. Dun, da, da, dun, da, da, da. This is where we go into all the stories in the news this week and all the things that people are talking about. We try to make sense of it. Sometimes we make absolute no nonsense of it. Um, I'm not even going to try to hide the fact that Pumi and I have sat here some mornings looking at the news going, what? Are you insane? What are you, what are you smoking? Right. But this morning we're joined by our compatriot and uh, regular attendee and partaker of the burning platform. He's none other than Leto Ndoba. Good morning, Leto. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm good in yourself. Yeah. Listen, I know you don't have to say it. The free state's the coldest place on earth in winter. I know. I know. <sighs> yes. Absolutely. You see, cutting your dreadlocks was not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. Okay. Please don't, don't tell me. Just, let's just. <laughs> oh, All right, so Leto, let's just start off as we always do with you. I'm sorry, but we have to just do a check in on small town South Africa because you've like become the representative and spokesperson, and God knows no one else even bothers talking about these places anymore. So, how are little Kronstadt and other towns in South Africa faring? Are we even worse? Was it possible? We thought we'd hit rock bottom. Have we got worse, or have things improved? Definitely got worse. We are on day 10 without water. Oh, my God. So, because what they're trying to do is to try to avert the cholera crisis that's happening in um, Hamaskral. Yeah, so they found they found cholera has also um, mm. contaminated, like, the water toward the free state. So, every water reservoir has been closed because they haven't been cleaning the water. So, if you were, clean, if you were drinking the water straight out of the tap, you were drinking everything that came straight out of whatever river the water comes from. So God. now they're scared that if you drink out of the tap again, you're probably going to be drinking the cholera and die, and then that would cause a crisis. So they'd rather just switch off the water. They said the water would be back in a day and a half. It's day 10. So it's getting worse. No explanations. They don't even care to... Even the opposition, nobody cares to say anything. Nobody cares to oppose... That there's 10 days without water. Like yesterday, I, on my way to work, I'm, I passed by young people ready to burn tires and go crazy. So the riots are about to begin. Probably this morning, I'm going to be out there and seeing tires burning and university students not being able to write because it's the time to write exams. And most of the university students from our university don't actually come from Welcome. They come from elsewhere. So they're usually scared at these times and they sort of hide out in their rooms. So Leto, um, where do we begin with this thing? I mean, I, I do think that water seems to now be the next area for the ANC to fuck up. They fucked up electricity properly. I, I had a substation out here in my area for three days and also didn't have any, any water. Well, I didn't have hot water. I mean, I mustn't complain. I, I had some water. I just didn't have hot water. You know, we're now comparing how miserable our existences are uh, <laughs> in the 21st century. But the reality is now they're fucking up the water as well. And people are starting to say, well, I don't know how much worse it can get. Do you think it is possible, particularly in small town South Africa, that there are still new depths for them to burrow to? Yes, the, this is a new low. There's another low to get to. Because remember, this water that we're talking about, like the electricity you can generate. So you can, you can build something to make something and then the lights go on, right? There could be a fix for that. But the water 
in and of itself is becoming a, 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 a very, very scarce resource, right? All around the world, people are changing water legislation, even in America, right? In the Midwest, the people who are, who are feeding from the, um, from the river that flows towards Las Vegas, they're changing the laws. So the water is not, you're not just fucking up the water with the contamination. You're messing up the water as it pertains to how it gets to people and if it gets to people. So that's the next step that they're going to really mess up. Um, because remember, the tenderpreneurs are not beyond, while the water is off, the tenderpreneurs are not beyond to going to where the reservoir is and messing up the pipes and messing mm-hmm. up the way in which you, you get the water into the pipes and transmit mm-hmm. it so that they can get a tender to eat. So remember, there is no... When there's so much money flowing in the wrong directions, there's no sort of bottom to the depravity of people. If I'm a tenderpreneur used to getting 10 million rand from the government for no reason, and suddenly I have an opportunity to break two machines and then get 20, 20 million, why not? All right. Well, that brings us to this discussion, which a lot of people have asked us to talk about this morning already, and I think it's a valid one to get into. Um, this is from Business Tech. It says, draft regulations will determine access to water based on skin color, according to the ANC. And um, many farmers are saying that this will have a catastrophic impact on food security and employment in the agricultural sector. It's the warning from AgriSA in response to the proposed water licensing regulations gazetted by the Department of Water and Sanitation. Um, the minimum, the prescribed minimum black South African shareholding requirements of 25, 50 and 75% required for a water license to succeed depends on the volume of water abstracted or stored in the area covered. So now uh, the solution is to make water a race quota thing. Is th- is, does this make any sense at all? No, you know, I think one of the things that we um, forget when we talk about legislation in South Africa is that, is that nobody we have... Nobody cares what legislation <laughs> is? Yeah, but also that... the, the because we're so at communicating that it is easy to twist anything to meet a political end. So understand that we have water legislation in our country. And the water legislation that we have is from many, many years ago. So we spoke about the, the water project that we did in KZN. The area in which we, we did this has a lot of water in it. You know, there's mm. Umzinyati flows near there and they, you, you don't have to dig far to get a, um, to, to be able to get a, a, a water pump, to get groundwater mm. and to be able to get a water pump. But in that same area, there are many commercial farms which have much water to them and that water is diverted from the from the river to those farms and when we were traveling with we, we actually traveled with the professor of desert studies from Ben Gurion University and he was the first person that made me aware of the fact that there is plenty of water in this area it is just that the way that this water is distributed is disproportionate. So people in the villages have no water, but in the adjacent farm, there's plenty of water and the ways in which they use that water uh, are outdated ways. Are you, are you saying, are you saying that the solution is to have raced base water quota? No, I don't. 
So I have not read the legislation. And so what I don't know is what it is that the legislation is trying to reconfigure and fix. Because the legislation has always had raised quotas. The legislation has always had raised quotas. Do you think the apartheid government did not have raised quotas in their legislation? Of course they did. I'm I'm telling you what it says now. Do you think we must carry on having raised quotas? No, I am saying to you that we are reading a perspective that has a very particular slant to create the impression that... Do you think we we should have a race quota system on water? So, I think so, that water should be equitable to everybody because water is essential to everybody's life. Yes. You can't so have some I, people have more access than others. But if I may, if I may, Gareth, remember, this legislation doesn't just um, amend whatever legislation is there now. It amends pe- the legislation for people who hold... Remember when you have a water license, some people hold 200 and 300-year water licenses. So when legislation comes in, it also amends what your license says about your holding of the water. And so it's uh, not two, just... Two things, though. I mean, prior to 1998, it could have been around there. I'm not exactly sure. But yeah. water was actually owned by the landowner. In other words, the person who, who, who owned yes. the land could could drill a borehole. They didn't need any government authority. But since then, whenever it was, I think it's around 98, the ANC now made government the owner of all water. So government is technically... The custodian of all water. It's like government's the custodian of our seas and various other things. Government's the custodian of our electricity. Look how well that's worked out. So no, number no. one, so if Pumi and you are, are correct that it's not equitable and water distribution isn't fair and equal, that's, that may be true, but you're going to let the government decide who gets water and this is how they're going to do it by making race quotas? No, so, so let me show you. So with your example, right, before 98, the, the person who, who held the property, who had the right to the water. So in Kronstadt, there are three farms that cut off, um, a, a, an off branch of the, of the Val River, right? Those three farms own the flow of the water and the distribution of the water to everyone around them. And so such legislation would go to try to speak to the distribution of the water. So when you take the water and you say the government now owns the water, you're saying the water just flows through your property and you don't particularly own it. What you do own is how much you can store of the water and the government also regulate that. And so what you, what they're doing now is that to say because that distribution is seemingly still leaning to a certain racial direction, Let's redistribute it in this way. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going to, so we're going, here's chapter five of the legislation you're asking about. Consideration of a decision for water use license applications to promote equity and redressing past racial and gender discrimination. I don't know how gender plays into this, but that's always part of the ANC's narrative. No, they no, say, women, women citrus farmers in the KZN have been experiencing that on a gender basis. The women, the black women who are, who are citrus farmers have had trouble getting water because of the white farmers around them, especially with the commercial farms. So the solution is to carry on making racist legislation. Well, it seems like that's all we are grasping to as South Africans, right? If everyone around you is grasping, so, so consider the black farmer, the black woman farmer with a citrus farm in the middle of white citrus farms in KZN. If this woman is not getting the access to the water that she deserves like everyone else, so how do you alleviate that? 
How do you equitably get the water to her? Because everyone else is not getting the water to her. Everyone else is sharing the water and excluding so, her. So, so having, having exclusions to people then okay. leads to you trying to. So and, guys, what, what you're saying is that even when something is blatantly wrong and based on race-based policies, as long as it makes everybody equally would, visible, we must go with it. What, what would be the best case scenario for you, Derek? How do we address a situation where three commercial farmers who happen to be white have access to all the water and one commercial farmer who happens to be black does not? How do we address that? I think this sounds like a made-up scenario. It's not made-up. If you talk about like a farmer who has access to all the water, is that farmer pumping all the water out of the ground just to keep it away from that black citrus farmer next door? Yes, the containers in which they store the water in then leaves the least amount of water for the black farmer. And they're depleting all the groundwater. Is that what you say? Then then I'm afraid you don't understand how water works and and how how, how groundwater is replenished. She's involved Listen. in this. There is groundwater. There's, there's a certain amount of groundwater, but you cannot use it all up. You guys are looking yes. at this like the cake is only this big and you can only cut it into smaller and smaller pieces. But when you are farming, that's different to when you are do- using it for household purposes. You well, need a certain you? amount of water to farm, and, especially something like Gareth, that. Uh, uh, but Gareth, you haven't, given us, you, you haven't given us what your view of no, no. how to address I, a, not, a, a not historical. Okay, I don't how believe. How do we address anything. a historical I don't believe problem? You can redress historical problems. That's part of why we constantly get stuck in this world. So, how do we move forward? It happened three generations ago. Here's what we have to do we have to treat this thing sensibly, and we have to be rational and reasonable about it on a case by case basis. We cannot have people in the Department of Water and Sanitation, who, by the way, are spreading cholera in every other part of South Africa because they're switching off the machines, they're turning off the reservoirs, they're not able to maintain the water infrastructure. You want to give those same people control of our water, our most precious resource, which we're all well, agreed. Well, they already have control of it. Okay, so in other words... They already now, have control of it. You two, you two are saying, so long as there is an attempt at, and of course, I don't believe the ANC can actually ensure equity at all, but you two are saying, as long as it looks like they're going to try and ensure equity, that they'll try and make some kind of political gesture to that black citrus farming woman in KZN. As long as they look like they're doing the right thing, we'll go with that. And in process of doing that, we don't mind if they enact racist legislation. No, so no, here's the, great about, here's the great thing about legislation is there are 400 people in parliament, right, who are represented. And because we've got proportional representation, all those people represent their constituencies. And this is, this is the reason we have proportional representation in our parliament. And this is the job that they need to be doing. They need to represent their constituents and fight for their constituents. Then the legislation will be amended. But, but the ANC, the ANC saying, the ANC, and by the way, in KwaZulu Natal, their majority is even higher than it is in the national parliament, right? So yes. in KZN, the ANC is going to do whatever it wants. It's going to enact this legislation as per this ridiculous law where they're going to proportionally assign water to people. I don't know how that's going to work. And then, of course, it's going to be administered very badly. It's not going to be maintained and no one gets water. And you guys are okay with that as long as it keeps a couple of 
uh, greedy farmers, greedy white farmers from getting what they need. No, no, Gareth. So this is the grow alternative. Our, grow our food, by the way. No, no. Here's the here's the alternative. The alternative is you rescind all of the licenses and and start the, the license process anew, afresh, and to equitably distribute the licensing of water throughout everyone's hands. And then that is going to lead to legal action because it's illegal to then take your license that you already have. So there are two routes to take here. The one route is clearly illegal. And the other route... No one one who's listening to the show would be acceptable of a, a, a converse form of legislation. No one in the world would say it's okay to discriminate against black people because of water. Not in 2023. And in the old days, that was acceptable. We had to fight a fight to get it changed. We and had to we go. To- but it's still happening. We if it's still happening, how do you, how do you address it if it's still happening? And the solution is a new kind of racism. No, no, the solution, listen, the solution is one of two things, right? The one thing is going to lead to the government being the criminal outright. If they take the licenses and say, we're going to take the hundred, like the hundred year license that you have to, to store and distribute water throughout a certain, um, surface area. If they take those, the farmers have a legal right to go to court, right? And challenge that. But the pro- the problem here is if you then legislate it, right? The farmers can still go to court, by the way, and challenge this legislation and say it's unfair. Right, and then Which show how it's unfair. Right, <laughs> and so but, the counter argument is going to we, to show the cases that yeah, the black people. Have been, yeah, Pumi, Pumi actually is involved in providing water to villages in KwaZulu Natal. She knows a lot about this. I'm not going to argue with her about how we get water to people, and I'm also not going to argue with you about a case by case basis or even a fictitious scenario where there's this poor black farmer who lives in the middle of these vicious, nasty white farmers who take all her water. I know for a fact in municipalities where all three of us live, we sometimes don't get water. We have a right to water. We have a right to equitable water and all this shit. But because of the kind of people who manage this stuff, there are days like you've had 10 of them now, Lito, where you don't have any. This yes. is what happens. This is the, this is the scenario you would prefer to uh, uh, some, some kind of inequality. Inequality is so unacceptable that this is to be preferred. And uh, incompetence rather than inequality. No, no, no. I've always said we are the best thing possible to, to move and change South Africa. We're the best of us. And if we are nasty and petty to each other, then guess what you're doing? You're taking the decision making process and what could be a proper sitting, a sit down with people who have common sense and can make a solution. You then hand the power over to the idiots who then want to legislate something that nobody's going to be happy with probably. But the, the problem is that South Africans at times we cede the power to the idiots who rule us because at the end of the day most problems that South Africans have with each other whether race based or not can be solved with South Africans sitting down and putting their heads towards a solution but most South Africans still don't want to do that and then the idiots come in make sweeping legislations that seem unfair to one and not the other and then what do the same South Africans do and they whine, they cry, they complain instead of coming together See, the farmers could come together right now. 
bring black and white farmers together and go to the court and show them we already have an agreement about what we do about water. We already are worried about water. Here's the science that we're studying about water. But what do they do? They revert back to the dumbness, the idiocy that feeds the idiots. You then revert back to the, oh, it's because I'm white, it's because I'm black. And when so you we are do on the that, same, we are on the same page, and I can guarantee you that the black farmers will have exactly the same point of view as the white farmers in this respect. They'll say we'd actually rather not have government involved. We'll sink our own boreholes. We'll manage our own water. We'll we'll be communal with the other farmers. Most of them are. You have to be. If you're upstream, you have to be conscious of the people downstream. You know, part of the problem with this country, part of the reason we have cholera spreading, is people shit in the river upstream, and then the people downstream get the cholera. So, right? The, the, yes. And nobody, nobody anywhere would rather have a government involved, right? Of course. But at the, at the point at which you as people, the best solution to any problem, want to see that power to them, you'll get decisions that are made by them in the way that they make decisions. Okay. Pums, do you want to add anything? Because this is your area of expertise, and then we can move yeah, on. Yeah, so we have come we full spent circle. like half an hour on it. And, and we have come full circle to a place where I'm saying this legislation that is being proposed is a proposal of a legislation. There is yeah. an, an opportunity for everybody to be part of how this legislation gets shaped so that it works for everybody. We would not be having this conversation if the water rights were equitable. We would not be having this conversation if people were benevolent and sharing the water. So the need to have the conversation exists, and this is a starting point. So if the ANC is putting a, a, a position down that says this is how we would like, it does not say that there is no opportunity and as you all know, the way that legislation gets passed in this country is it gives every stakeholder an opportunity to make an input. But if we don't make those inputs, then we're going to end up with this kind of shit show. All right. I couldn't agree more. Just one final word on this is that it doesn't matter what laws this government pass. It, it, this country is a free for all, as we've learned. So what's going to happen is whatever will happen. It's got nothing to do with the laws. People will sink their own boreholes anyway. They'll do it in suburban South Africa, and no one will even have a say to it because you just bribe the right official and you can get it done. One of the things that does happen, which is what has happened with this particular conversation, is it's easy to polarize things in South Africa in terms of black and white. It's easy to make everything black and white. In this this case, it it is actually something the law is intending to do. Yeah, but can you hear me out? And the reason it is easy to reduce everything to black and white is because we come from an environment that has reduced us to black and white. So when legislation is being put, and this is, we we have this conversation on the show as well. I say, that is the reason why we need new people and new ways of thinking about how we solve our problems. We're not going to solve the problems we are in. And the reason we got into this problem is because we looked at it through the eyes of black and white. But if we continue to look at it in that way, we are never going to solve our problems. We have to have new thinking and new types of people in the environment in order to change it from that. I I, I want to talk about how... um, I can't wait for Alan Windy of the Western Cape to arrest Vladimir Putin himself. I mean, clearly this is something that's going to happen. This guy is, uh, and I keep talking about him because he irritated me so much during lockdown. Alan Windy is precisely the kind of politician who 
thinks that we are, I don't know if he thinks we're in France or in Germany or in, you know, Democrat America, but he's going to go and arrest Vladimir Putin. What irritates me about him is that he has this pie in the sky idea that other South Africans are interested in the Ukraine and Russia like he is. And we've discussed this with Canton a couple of times. The average South African could, couldn't give a damn about Russia and the Ukraine. We're not interested. We don't want to spend a single second thinking about it. That whole Lady R thing, it may be a big international story for Nelly, Naledi Pandor to deal with. It may eventually put us in a better or worse position. But most South Africans are so busy dealing with survival on a day-to-day basis that they are not interested in the Ukraine and Russia. And yet, Alan Wendy, John Stearnhazen keep talking about Russia as if it's a big, overarching national theme. It isn't. Am I right? <laughs> this is the tip I had on Twitter with this man. I, I, this is what we're fighting about. And I Tell ended me. up, I even said... Tell us more I, about this. So the tiff starts with that, right? I'm like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, South Africans don't care. And John Steenhazen keeps hopping on about this, right? And I say, this guy's not the leader we need at this moment. I was so mad. I even, I said, John Steenhazen is a trans man. And he said, what? I said, yeah, he's trans. Because, and this man was mad. I said, but John Steenhazen is trans. Let me tell you why. In my opinion, right? As a black young man, I've been told all my life, if you need to be something and get somewhere, you need to go get an education and a qualification. And everywhere I go, every door I knock on, they ask, what are you qualified in? I say, mm-hmm. a trans person, whether the, trans people are everywhere, they now have all pronouns. A trans person will tell you, hey, Gerrit, I believe I'm a tree. You ask them, why do yeah. you believe you're a tree? What qualifying factors do you have? Do you have roots? Do you have leaves? Do you blow in the wind? Do you stand still all day? No, they have none of those qualifying features, right? Same thing as for a trans woman. They say, I believe. So all of them, they're a woman because they believe they're a woman. And John Steenhazen is a leader because people believe he's a leader. And the people around him, not even everyone else. The people around him, his friends and family, and the people in the DA believe he's a leader. And so John Steenhazen is trans. And that was the fight I was having to say, that man does not translate to the leader South African needs right now. At this very moment, the DA should be having some... Because the, the ANC is very good at one thing, right? The ANC is very good at showing you the image they want, no matter how shitty their legislation is, right? They'll tell you, oh no, we're giving you 350 uh, to alleviate poverty, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the... Even though it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense how the 350 is going to alleviate poverty. They tell you that that's their picture of the world. That if you have, if you have 350 rand in your hand, you will somehow start an ice cream business that will lead you to become a millionaire. And that was the link they were making. None of the DA's proposals on what they do for governance tell South Africans what they will have and who they will be a year into their governance. No. Nothing. So at the moment, we're going into elections. And we don't even know what the DA is trying to propose to us. What world are you proposing? Yes, we understand the ANC is shit. They are the worst of the worst. How can you not write a memorandum to say we are less shit than them? I mean, in a place like, let's take Welcome, for instance. We haven't had water for 10 days. All the DA has to do is to come out and say, literally print pamphlets that say, at least with us, you'll have water. That's all you need to say. 
Yet they don't do that. They don't capitalize on opportunities to show South Africans how they are intrinsically better than what we have right now. And at the end of it, they keep talking about bloody uh, Russia and Ukraine, Vladimir Putin, and okay. South Africans but, couldn't but again, give a damn. I, I keep hearing this, and I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm totally on your side about Russia and Ukraine. It's not relevant to South Africa, and I wish they would stop talking about it because – Nobody cares. But it is no. But you know what? It is a great distraction for all of us. It is a great distraction to the fact that there is no water and maybe no plan of how to get water to people. All of this are great distractions because look at us. You know, we have just spent a good thirty minutes uh, arguing about whether race is a race should be a quota or not. We are having a conversation about Ukraine. And what we're not having a conversation about is we're not having a conversation about who are the people that can change the situation going into an election year. We're not having a conversation about the policies that are being advanced by an EFF. We're not having a conversation about the policies that are being advanced by a rise in Zanzi. We are not having a conversation about the IFP. We are having a conversation that is distracting us. Even so from what, that okay, so what should we no, no, man, that's, they talking about? I think that's a good point, Pums. But what should we be talking about then? <laughs> we, have, we have the opportunity here to talk for the next half an hour about anything that you want. What should we be talking about? We should be talking about what is being advanced by everybody else other than the people that we complain about. But the problem is... All the people also complain about all the things that we complain about. And instead of leading and being okay. in the position where we're looking at them and saying, yeah, this is exactly the person I want to follow. Right. They're just part so, of us. They're just bitching along with us. So we must, I mean, let's start with Herman Mashaba's book then, because he spent 12 and a half million rand trying to explain to <laughs> what he stands for. Um, That's not what the book is about. The book is about him. It's not about okay. what he stands for. It's about so what he's the, done in the past. It's about... So, it's about who are the adults? Like me and perms and the 80s. So who are, who are the adults that we need to listen to? Who are the adults in the room? Now, who are the so, policymakers? Because we're always saying, oh, well, you know, this party's no good and this party's all about image and this party's got nothing to do with legislation and, and ideas. I mean, there are definitely policies being promulgated. There are definitely uh, parties that are sitting together with their chief whip and their strategists and all the rest coming up with ideas. Um, and and then we shoot those ideas down, and we don't say we say you're not serious parties. Um, the know. EFF policies. J- Julia said again in an interview just the other day with the BBC, which now almost everyone in South Africa has seen. He said we've got to nationalise all land, we've got to nationalise all mining, all industry. He's he's that's genuine. That's his policy. So let's take him at face value. Are those things that we really believe in 2023? are even worth taking seriously because you said we must take the policies seriously. That's not serious. You can't be serious. But there are people who think that's a solution. And that's the thing. The thing we must take seriously is that how many people are starting to see that as a solution, right? But then on the other hand, I know you're going to lash me for this, but be reasonable for a second. For me, the person that we should be listening to who's not being listened to enough this election is Bantu Holomisa, right? 
when speaking about the moonshot pact and how the the opposition should treat itself in ousting the ANC, he's the only one who's saying to everyone, why don't we have a unified manifesto? It doesn't have to be everything that we want all together, but what we want to achieve as an opposition to sell to the people and say, if you vote for any opposition party, all of us would contribute whatever vote you give to us to these certain mandates, right? And then we'll fight it out afterwards. If you, if you don't believe in land redistribution, that's fine. If you are the Freedom Front Plus and you don't believe in, in land redistribution, don't vote for it when it comes into the manifesto. Don't put it forward into the manifesto. Put whatever you want into the manifesto so that we put our energies towards that. Because if the opposition wins right now the way they are, the shit show that's happening in Johannesburg and Pretoria is what's going to be in South Africa. All of them trying to twerk for us, trying to show us which one is the best and which one looks the best without actually doing the substantive work it takes to move in South Africa forward. So right now as South Africans, we should be demanding one, manifestos from these opposition parties. And if you're going to unite, you need to have a united manifesto, not a moonshot pact because we're together. We must stop the, poly- the, the politics of moving the ANC out because they're the ANC. But you bring up Bantu Holomisa, who has, I mean, sure, he's been part of some coalitions here and there. But Bantu, the whole reason that the UDM exists is for Bantu Holomisa's ego. And, <laughs> to have a job. And, I know. And he's, not, and he's not willing to sacrifice. So he's speaking with a forked tongue because this is not a guy who's willing to throw in his lot with other parties and be part of the solution. Hell no. He wants to be, I'm Bantu Holomisa. I'm the UDM. I'm standing alone. I'm strong. I represent a different kind of South Africa. It's all in his head. Nobody gives no, no, a no. shit. The people who are voting but, for him are voting for him. Whenever Bantu Holomisa has the opportunity to sidestep and stab you in the back, he will. That's yes. his personality. But so he mustn't talk to us about else, a manifesto. We no, know his no, no. manifesto. It's called Brutus. No, no. He stabs you in the back while you're square dancing around him. If you keep waddling around him, he'll put that knife in you. Right? So and you, so he's, he's trying to saying, say... He's actually giving the remedy. No, no, no. He's giving the remedy to you, to him not knifing you in the back. I think he's probably tired of it. He's saying, if we have a unified position, I can't stab you in the back on the things we all agreed to. But if we all come together because we are ousting the ANC and you waddle, I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm with Pumi. We need new people. I'm sorry. There's nothing Bantu Holomisa. God bless him. And he's not a horrible person. I've met him a few times. We interviewed him on the show. I don't think he's, uh, a, a crooked, wretched politician of the worst kind. We have many more who are far worse than him in this country, but I'm so tired of him. I really am. <laughs> but who if you, so people? here's what I'm interested in, Leto, um, yeah. because we, we haven't had this conversation with you. If you were to pick your top three priorities that you would like to see in a Moonshot Pact manifesto, what would those be? Um, one, um, unemployment alleviation. Two, a certain policy on, on a, a, a clear policy on participation of government and mm-hmm. private, uh, and private sector. So, for instance, let me try to make that clear because I know everyone likes to say uh, private, pu- uh, private public participation. But what I mean is, are we going to have a Denel that is like DARPA in America where the the arms company just goes to companies around SA and say, you create nice 
alarm system companies create this for the military industrial complex, right? And there's that symbiosis. Or mm-hmm. are we going to have an outside country where the, the, the private sector has a much bigger role to play, like the medical, um, uh, like the medical field in America. So once those lines are clear, because the problem with South Africa right now is that nobody knows what to do and when. And so even when the private sector is trying to act, they don't want to encroach on government unless they step on a petty minister's toes and be blackballed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the final thing, I think the way we prioritize what we want to be as a country, not nobody that we've ever had, no one has ever had a more than 20-year plan for South Africa. They only have the five-year plan for themselves. And Just by the way, point, we re-elect them. Your first, point was, your first point was to address unemployment. Yes. I think we, we, we've been down this road before. Can I just, for clarity's sake, because we, we're yes. looking for practical solutions here. The only way for government to create employment is to get out of the way, right? Really? Okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> really? Wanna, I was, no, no, no. I was, I was on a, a, your favorite employer's radio, radio waves the other day and talking about one of the ways in which the government can positively stand in the way. Right? Something like the NYDA and how it could be used as an intermediary to get young people in business, capitalize their ideas and get them to be a bridge to something like the PIC because the PIC. Like, in, I'd like in it's one, since we were talking about examples, I'd like one example of why the, where the NYDA has helped a young, talented black person to get yes. in. Yes. I, I ripped, I ripped just into them. One, just one. Listen, I ripped into them. The CEO ran away during the interview, okay? I, I'm well versed in knowing how to rip a new asshole into the, into the NYDA. But, but what I'm trying to say is... Get in the way. No, no. An NYDA led by people dedicated to helping others, mm. right? There are people like that in South Africa. That white where these, guy... Where are these fairy tale people? No, no, no. There are no fairy tale people. Don't say that. There's that. They, I don't know his name. You had him on the show before. The white dude in Cape Town helping communities with crime and trying to combat crime. So there are people who are dedicated Ian to Cameron. helping others. Ian Cameron. There are people in South Africa dedicated to helping other South Africans and have the mind to help other South Africans, right? And so I know, like, Vusitem Bogwayo is, is a... I hate him. I hate his guts. But as an example of somebody to help young people guide their business ideas, a person with the same kind of mentality for business as Vusi has at the head of the NYDA, not some freaking ANC Youth League flunky, Right, and so that's the CEO we need at the NYTA. Leto, Leto, these these organizations are designed and built to end up with politicians in leadership and not people who actually work. No one with any self respect or with any drive and determination to start their own business is going to work at the NYDA. It would be a waste of their time. They would become very frustrated very quickly, and they don't want to be there. People who have their own businesses. And there are talented people in this country who have their own businesses, do not want to work for government because government is just a big, disastrous, frustrating mess. They can never see their goals come to fruition while there is the, 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 the machinery of things like the NYDA and the PIC. Why would people want to work within those confines when they can go and run a little mom and pop shop on the side and have a 
reasonably comfortable living rather than having to fix the NYDA, which frankly, no, it's like fixing ESCOM. No one will get it right. I, I know, but think about the potential. This is what I'm talking about, the potential of what that organization stands for, Gareth. You're saying dream. You're saying dream a little bit. We have to as South Africans. That's all we damn have. I dream of water all the time, okay? That's what we have. We have to dream. But also, we need the dreamers. Like you said, right? Which self-respecting person who has a mind for business wants to go and engage with the NYD and try to help? No one. Let's put the self-respect aside for a minute and try to be a citizen who encompasses others. I know you're self-respecting. I know you want to see the best for yourself, but that self-respect that you have is, is, is stopping you from realizing a much greater goal of being a citizen that is a leader. Cause that's what a leader is. You don't have to be fucking twerking Pumi. for votes to be a leader. Pumi, what do you say? You've gone all quiet. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love listening to Lieto because, um, Lieto has two things. He, engages with young people at university all the time. And these are the people who, in my dreams, uh, that I think about and want to work with and bring into the environment of not just looking after themselves. For a long time now, South Africans have had to look after themselves. We've had to get our own solar system, get our own this, get our own that, you know, buy your bottled water. And unfortunately, we are all interdependent. We are interconnected as a country and as citizens. And we need to change the perspective of South Africans about being self-sufficient in a country that is falling apart and rather becoming sufficient for our country to not fall apart. I think, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to with all of the new players, and it's counterintuitive, right, when you see lots of new players come into the political environment, is if you have a mindset that says there are only 18 million people who are registered to vote and only 12 million show up to vote, but the more we have diverse thinking, in politics, in the form of new people with new ideas, you're potentially going to have more people interested in showing up to vote. <laughs> because the ones that are not showing up are simply saying, I'm not showing up to vote for these things, people that are here. But if we have new people with new thinking and fresh ideas of how to reconfigure what is happening in South Africa so that we can create a South Africa we want then you will have more people engaging with the political spectrum, showing up to vote. And and by the way, Gareth, right, the way I'm talking about it, so look at the dedication. I have my qualms with AfriForum, whatever they may be. But the dedication that the members of AfriForum have to servicing their community, to something greater, especially their volunteers, AfriForum volunteers show up. Right. And South Africans, the reason why we're looking at something like the NYDA and we we fail to show up because the ANC is there. It's like we're afraid of them. Right. And they're using and we, the, the, the other difference is the NYDA is using taxpayers money to do nothing, whereas Afri Forum are using contributions that they, their members are making over and above tax voluntarily. And they're getting things done. How embarrassing is this for the NYDA? 
right? And so I would rather have, so let's assume the NYDA has a, a part for young creatives. I'd rather have you and DJs Wu there assessing whatever proposals they have because of what you've done in the media space and how knowledgeable you are there in capital, in trying to capitalize young creatives. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather have you there than anyone. So the, the issue here is that we don't show up to these places and scare the vultures away. We assume the vultures have the thing locked down, but they don't. Like I was following the show before I was in, you said all of them have dirty fingers. And so the small mm. animal skeletons, when you show up as the real professionals, the people who know industry, the people who are willing to help others, they'll run away because they're afraid. The first thing they're afraid of, they'll try to bribe you and then they'll run away. Yeah, but Leto, what we what we really need is just competence, just like practical skills. I mean, I, I really think that we talk a lot in this country about having, you know, some big moonshot pact or some big idea or so going to the elections with new ideas and new players and manifestos. What we really need, what South Africa is desperately in need of at this point, is engineers, plumbers, electricians, people who can fix uh, potholes, people who can repair, repair uh, lampposts on the road, people who can uh, arrest people for doing bad things, people who can process prosecutions, like basic you know, job description stuff. We don't need more ideas. There are lots of ideas, and most of them are, are fairly okay until they're put into practice by bad people, and then they all fall apart. We yes. just need, one, in one word, competence. And I'm, but that's I'm really tired of, I'm tired of seeing incompetence everywhere. Yes. The, and you know why? The competent people, the people who know, I remember when you were back at the SABC, I remember you were campaigning to get one of your executive producers to be on the board. Tabo Mudisani, I think his name is. Like, I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> um, but in my opinion, Somebody like an executive producer on a show that's been there for years would be of much use to that board. And then, so that's what I'm saying. But the people who are most competent are not in the places they should be. You have somebody who's competent in, in the wrong place. You have Tabo Mudisani who's competent, who would help the SABC board, and he's still stuck being an executive producer for Gareth Cliff. But if you want to, it's, it benefits, want to, it benefits kill, Gareth. So it benefits that, that one corner of the SABC where his, his greater mandate is to, is to benefit Leto, the whole SABC. I'm not going to go and work on the SABC board and neither is Tabo Mutisane because we don't want to be stuck in talk shops all day with a bunch of useless venal politicians who have no purpose in being acceptable. <laughs> Why would anyone want this to? This is what. But this is what's what the, Leto is advocating for. Leto is what's saying the incentive? that. What's the incentive? But Leto is saying that if we can get twenty executive producers putting their hands up to be on that board and of and various people of varying skills within the organization to be on that board or within that industry sector to be on that board, then what you will have top up with real politicians but an actual board that understands what is to happen to move a sector forward that is what he is proposing yes guys you you on that board if if Lavin walks onto that board while you are there 
You're not going to look to twerk and impress him. You're going to tell him straight, this is what the SABC needs. We don't and, need you here every week. And if he and becomes... And I will last a day. I will last a day. And then he'll set SARS on me and all kinds of other things that I don't need in my life. Now, just hang on. The SABC would be better for it. Ah, please. I don't want to fix the SABC. As far as I'm concerned, (laughs) it should crash and burn. It should, because it's a useless organization that's run very badly by people who don't know what they're doing. And when that happens, I believe in the private sector because you don't get any. The bottom line is we, the people, I should have been wearing my T-shirt today. We, the Mm. people, should not be afraid Mm. of politicians. Instead, the politicians should be afraid of us. At this particular moment as South Africans, we are afraid of the politicians. Mm. We are afraid to hold them accountable. Well, you just said you'd you'd be afraid to be on the board of an SAPC because then Pravin would sick the the SARS on you. No, don't misunderstand me. Not afraid frustrated to the point where I wouldn't want to do it anymore and there would be no way to see any kind of positive change happen there. These things are not in... Name me a country, guys, where the best people end up in government. There is no such thing. The best people don't want to go anywhere near government. Government is always for underachievers. Always. But this is why I we believe in South Africa... We want them in the civil service. No, no. This is why I believe in South Africa more than anyone else. Because South Africans... We, we, we are not the convention, guys. We eat fed cooks in the morning, okay? So we, we, we can't compare ourselves to all of these other countries. We, we don't eat cereal in the morning. We eat fed cooks. We eat whatever. And so the same sort of grit that makes a South African for me is the same thing that gives me hope every single day that a South African will rise up to the occasion. And it frustrates me when they don't. But the, the way South Africans come together always gives me hope. And that's the only way we can beat these people, Gareth. The only way. When are you going to stand? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Ready. You are ready. Yes, I really I am thinking about it. I think it's time. Because I think it's um, time for you. I, there's no way I ever want to. And believe me, I toyed with the idea as a, as a young man of going into politics. And I thought... This could be somewhere I could make a real change. And I was idealistic about it and everything else. Now I'm like, no, no, no. I just want these people out of my life. I want nothing to do with politics. It would be the most frustrating thing ever. And I don't want to, as you say, twerk for votes or anything else. So you go ahead, Leto. I will support you because I'm more useful to you here doing this than I would be sitting in an, in an ANC-based or an ANC-led SABC board. There's no way I could be useful there. I know my use, and you know yours. You're the kind of guy who can make it happen in your area, in your town, and you are more passionate about it than most people are. We need that. The days of an ANC-led anything are numbered. Over. The days of an ANC-led anything are numbered. And all all I'm ever going to advocate for is that as those days come closer and closer. We better have people willing to stand up and be in those positions. The days of the ANC led anything unnumbered. They're done. This 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 organization is this organization is done. But if we we the people, black and white, are not there 
to be part of what happens next. We're going to be just as fucked with or without the ANC. In the same way that all those many years ago, I said to you guys that Jacob Zuma is not the problem this country has, but an organization of thieves and frauds and (laughs) fraudsters is the problem. And y'all thought that Cyril was going to come in with the civil bullets. And here we are. <laughs> I no, didn't. Here we are. If the ANC loses tomorrow, the rats are going to scatter and leave the ship. Who is going and to they fill have the started. spaces, Gareth? Yes. Who's going to fill the spaces? If, if the rats scatter from the board of the SABC, who fills, who fills the gaps? You. They play, you mentioned uh, Tabo Mudisani, executive producer. God bless him. Yeah. He would be fantastic there. He, he must stand for it. But you can't go around convincing everybody that they need to enter what is at the moment a dead-end job in bureaucracy and talking. That's not what most people want to do. And you know what? Frankly, there's no amount of money you could pay some people to put up with that shit because the incentives aren't to save the country or to fix institutions or any of that stuff. And if you're going to make those the, the, the incentives – you need to give people a real reason to believe. At this point, there are no reasons to believe that you could resuscitate ESCOM, SABC, Transnet, Prasa. The reason to believe is what you're looking for. Because we then people will make, do anything. People will do anything for you. We need to make those those organizations just like Stenhazen and make them trans organizations. We believe they're great, and so they'll make them great. <laughs> I have, we have literally four, four minutes to go. And Leto, I, I don't know if this is too big a question in the four minutes. And it's a complete touch of everything that I've been speaking about until now. Being in the academia and university circuit, what the hell is going on at Fort Hare? Do you know? Yes, what um, is happening so, at Fort Hare? Wow, what a so, disaster. No, no, not even at Fort Hare. In many universities, um, what the people, what the politicians and the tenderpreneurs and everybody else has seen is that there's still an opportunity to capture the, the, the logistics chains of universities. So that's where the next tender opportunity is going to come from. And so that's where the violence is coming from. Um, Mangosuchi University had a, a similar thing with his residents. Um, but also on another level, the politicians have also <clears throat> figured out that if you want to um, skirt the system to get a master's or a PhD, the university route is to, is where you need to be. So if you plant, um, former youth politicians in the, in the, um, councils of these universities, you can weasel yourself into a qualification of a kind. And so those problems have then compounded to corrupting what should be an incorruptible institution. And so the violence is coming from people trying to get tenders, trying to get all sorts of money from universities. They now know that a university is allowed to spend 12 million rand on transportation of students. And so they'll fight for that and they'll kill a vice chancellor or his security guards for it. And on the other hand, politicians have figured out that you can weasel your way into a master's and PhD degree by being close to a council of a university. And at the very least, you can get yourself an honorary doctorate like everyone is doing like the cut has actually decided to stop giving out honorary doctorates for now and actually reevaluate what the value of an honorary doctorate is jeez what a mess and 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 why why are things 
Why are things being burnt down? I mean, we saw there was a fire there this week. No, no. So the burning down would be, so what people often do is to take hungry students, give them 30,000 rand, 40,000 rand, 50,000 rand, and tell them to initiate a strike and burn something. And a hungry person will do anything for that kind of money. And so what we're seeing is people trying to take their evil, nefarious business purposes and using young people as weapons. Hmm. Sure. Hmm. What do you that think? That is a very the- succinct explanation. Thank you. What do you think the future of, of tertiary education is if it's become so clouded by, you know, who you know and, and, and what you can get done and political sway and, and corruption? Do you think a degree is going to be worth anything in like five to ten years? It still will be because the ones with conviction are holding. The people at, the, at these universities that really care about education are holding. And the, the VC at Fort Hay doesn't care. He said, you can't shoot me. The only way to get me out and to stop pursuing people like Oscar Mabuyani is to kill me. You can kill as many bodyguards as you want. I'm going to pursue you. If, you. if you've taken money from the institution unjustly, I'm going to pursue you. At the Central University of Technology right now, they are, they are disbanding the council because of activities that, they, that don't support the forward movement of the university, because of the staff inside the university. So there are people who are willing to stand and call out and make a noise to the point at which you get the corrupt out. We are the we are the surgical knives that cut out the cancer. It doesn't cut itself out, and unfortunately, it's come to a place where you have to stand being killed, being threatened, having your family threatened, in order for you to see justice. But I'm I'm always for somebody who'd stand like that for justice. I'll be always on their side, and I'm I'm happy to see the VC for Fort Hayes doing that, and I'd, I'd support him to the hilt. I absolutely right. love that we are the surgical knives that cut out the cancer. Mm, I like that too. I like that. That's our theme. We're labeling that as the, uh, the, the, the episode for this morning. We are the surgical knives that cut out the cancer. Later. We, we're borrowing it from you. We'll give you credit. Thank you very much for being on the show again. As always, fascinating time talking about all kinds of things. We bounced around quite a lot today. Glad we got that university question in, Pumi, at the end, because that's very, very uh, valid and relevant at this point. And we will catch up again next week. Same time, same place. Have an excellent Thursday, everybody. Cheers. Cliffcentral.com.